0: So this is our men of destiny uh, foundation teaching, and um, our teaching again is on stewardship. Right. And so um, uh, that's what we're that's what we're talking about. So lesson objectives. All right. So um, our objectives for this time is to understand the importance of practicing good stewardship and fulfilling kingdom purposes. Right. So we've been talking about what stewardship is, and we want to make sure we always um, understand um, that being a person who practices stewardship is is a part of you fulfilling your kingdom purpose. Two, to identify areas in our lives we are to steward over and guidelines to be followed to operate in stewardship. What are areas of your life that you would be steward over? Most of the time when people talk about stewardship in church, they, it's usually a lead up to an offering. And I'm not going to even talk to you today about money other than to give you an opportunity to sow into the word today. I'm going to talk to you about stewardship in a specific area today. That's very important at this time of the year, as we plan for the year. And then the third thing is to establish a stewardship mentality toward kingdom resources. Remember when Bishop, uh, when Bishop uh, C Milton Granham was here at our leadership conference, one of the things he said in the handout that he gave us is that a mentality of stewardship doesn't come to you automatically. You must develop it on purpose. You don't grow up, um, you don't come into the planet already having the mindset you need to be a good steward. Kids, you know, after they... You know, they first start out talking about Dada initially. Then after that is Mama for everything else. He make it to the NBA, to the NFL, to the major leagues. Everybody thinks Mom. Dada had his first couple days after that is Mom. But then the next thing he says or she says is Mine. They automatically somewhere pick up a selfishness that this thing belongs to me right? Children quickly learn how to say mine. And, uh, but just because it is yours doesn't mean you learn how to take care of it, right? You give him a bike, and he'll play with it, and then he'll get tired, and he'll leave all the parts all over the place and leave it outside to get rained on and to rust. Stewardship mentality has to be intentionally cultivated, all right? Now, I've given you a pillar definition of stewardship we pastor David why do we say this is a pillar definition because if our vision is to be fulfilled these are the things that have to be a part of how how um how how the vision is is held up in other words there's there are there are pillars within our sanctuary if those pillars are taken out cuz they're load bearing then the ceiling will will cave in similarly if the pillars of the vision aren't um, held up, then the vision falls through. So I want you to think about this as not just the vision of Destiny Generation Church, but the vision of your house and what God has called you to do. Now, part of your house vision should be a part of the church that you're a part of. So these two things aren't they aren't working against each other. They're actually working together. But if you're not a person who practices stewardship, whatever God wants for your life will fall apart, too. So let's look at the definition, the pillar definition of stewardship. It is the acknowledgement that the spiritual, physical, financial, and relational resources entrusted to us belong to God and must be faithfully accounted for. In other words, there are things that are in my charge, but they but I I can't just use them however I want to, as if I'm accountable to no one. No, God is grading me. On how I handle the physical resources, how I handle the financial resources, how I handle spiritual resources like the word of God and prayer and faith. And the gifts of the spirit that flow in my life. Right. And how I handle the relationships. Listen, if you're a husband, God's grading you on how you handle your marriage and how you raise your children. He is grading you. And so I have to realize that the woman God gave me, just because he gave Nedra to me, didn't mean he, he just exalted himself. No, he's grading me on how I treat her. Peter said it this way: in first Peter, listen, God is grading you on how you treat her. And if you don't treat her right, your prayers will be hindered. Okay? So that's the stewardship issue. I got to see. Is her life getting better because of the way I'm leading her? If it's not, God wants to talk to me about that thing. All right? Then we gave you another definition, uh, a pillar definition of leadership. All right? This this pillar definition of leadership is living a life of vision from God, value to others, and velocity of good works in your generation. Vision from God. Vision is the picture of purpose. Value to others that if it's truly a vision from God, it impacts others to their benefit. It's not just what's in it for me. And then velocity of good work says, uh, velocity, for all of you physics majors, velocity is distance over time, right? If I'm traveling 60 miles per hour, right, miles per hour, then I'm traveling at a certain speed to accomplish a certain distance in a certain amount of time. So let's look at let's look at this velocity, this vision, value, and velocity thing in the life of Jesus. Let's look at John chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. I've referenced this scripture in relation to this definition, but I want you to see it. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I must work. The works of him who sent me, right, that's that's the distance he wants to accomplish, while it is day, that's the time aspect. The night is coming when no one can work. Verse 5 says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, um, he says, look, look at the concepts there. I got a certain amount of work to do and a certain amount of time to do it, That time he calls day. And then he says, because night is coming, and at night my work will be done. So what you must recognize is when you, you can have vision from God that is of a value to others, but if you don't get enough velocity, get enough work done in the time that God has given you, your life still won't be the benefit. That God intends for it to be. The last point that we want to make in there, he said, not only he said, I must work while it is day. And then he essentially says, I'm the sun. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the one that's providing the light for the work that I'm doing to get done. Right? Now that's an important concept. I just want to I want to drop that there. Remember what he says, I got a work, I'm out of work, night's coming, I'm the light of the world, all right? Um, So today's focus, today's focus, because we're preparing for our blessing sheet, all right? Brothers, you should have a blessing sheet, right? Um, Our focus today is on stewardship of time, purpose, and goals. What is time? What does time mean? What is time from God's perspective used for? Purpose. Purpose is God's original reason for your creation. And the achievement of goals. Goals are worthy objectives that you should be working toward in, to, to, to make use of your time. Jesus said there was a certain amount of works that he had to get done and he had a certain amount of day to do it, and his purpose while he was here was to be the light of the world. Time, purpose, and goals. Got it? All right. So that's the mindset that we want to cultivate. Why are are we doing this like this, Pastor David? Because this blessing sheet, right, that each of us should have, I want you to be serious today if you haven't been about writing down What are your prayer priorities for the year? What are your goals and points of agreement? What are the things you're going to work towards? What is the thing you're going to spend time praying about and interceding to happen? And what are the things you're going to use the faith process and get an agreement and believe God for in 2019? All right? Um, But we've, if, if we're not careful... Night will catch us with our work undone. If we're not careful, night will catch us, and we won't have accomplished what we needed to while it was day. All right? Um, The difference between a championship game and, and a pickup basketball is there's a clock. And there's a certain amount of time that you got to get your play done. And you have to execute on time, to achieve the goal. And so we want to be people that have that sense of it. All right, let's look at Psalm chapter 90, um, verses 1 through 17. Um, psalm chapter 90 is the prayer of Moses. Um, it's often a prayer that's, this 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 psalm is often quoted in um, funerals. Um, and it's used by people to say that, uh, well, God only gives you 70 to 80 years. That's not really what he was saying. I'm going to explain to you why that's not true. Um, Now, if you want to die at 80, we'll praise God. We'll let you. But you don't have to. That's Pastor David saying. You ain't got to. You don't have to use this scripture to say that I've gotten to 80, so I'm going to check out. Now, if you want to check out, I'm not mad at you. I'll do your funeral. (laughs) I'm just saying you don't have to go, and that's, and that's not, what, that's not what Moses was talking about. All right, let's look at Psalm chapter 90. Go ahead. All right. Some versions say that the first thing it says is Psalm 90 is a prayer of Moses. And then it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destroy to destruction and say, return, O children of men, right? And that turning man to destruction is literally saying, turning man back to dust. Uh, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and is like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning, talking about a lifespan, right? Right? In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it is cut down and withers. Man, a life, I'm working to work while it's day, growing up, and then by the evening, it's gone. But it's not talking about a 24-hour day. It's talking about the day of a person's life. Verse 7, for we we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your countenance for all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Stop there for a second. Let me just get so far. Key things that we want to get out of these first 10 verses. First of all, God lives in eternity. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Or In actuality, if a theologian was here, he would say eternity lives inside of God. God has no start date or no end date, right? That's the key point that we get out of verse 2. Verse 4 says that because he lives in eternity and eternity lives in him, time for God is not a limitation. A thousand days is just like yesterday, right? (laughs) Last night, you know, you know, we've gone through all of these industrial revolutions. God forgot it was just like last night. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, And then he said, so life to him is like a, a person's life is like a single day. So he says like grass in the morning, it grows up, but in the evening it's cut down. So you got to start, you know, don't act like you got forever to get everything done. Right now. Then he started talking about 70 and 80 years. Now, why is it important that this was the prayer of Moses? The reason that that was important about it being the prayer of Moses is, remember, the children of Israel had, after they had gone into the promise, um, sent the spies into the promised land, right, came back with the evil report. God said, you're going to wander around for 40 years in the wilderness, and then you're going to die. So if you were 30 years old at that moment, then you could only get to 70, and then you had to die. If you were 40 years old at that moment, you couldn't go into the promised land at the end of the 40 years, so all you could get was to 80, and then you had to die. But you are carrying around the sense that, man, if I had only been a person of faith, I could have lived in the promised land, but I'm going to have to wander around in this wilderness. My iniquities are keeping me locked up in this wilderness when I should have been at the promised land. That's what he said. Our iniquities are in front of us. You, You keep our secret sins. What sins did they have? They did not believe when God sent them to the promised land. Now, listen, you can spend your whole life walking around the same circles if you want to. Don't just put that way back then. Some of us are ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We can spend our life struggling over the same issues until we die. And we could also have a form of wilderness. All right? So that's, that's what this scripture is talking about. Now listen, even then, there was always the, the Joshua and the Calebs who got to their promised land when the rest of the people died out. I'm purpose. I'm gonna get mine. Now, Pastor David, well, it says there's 780. Well, hold it, hold it. Moses' big brother Aaron didn't die until he was 123. If Moses is praying, Moses didn't die till he was 120. He didn't even start his ministry until he was 80. And the only reason he died was God said, these people don't wore you out, bro. I'm going to have to take you to heaven because they're getting on your nerves now. You're not going to be able to make it. If I, if I let you stay here, they're going to jack you up, right? All right, now let's go on to verse, verse 11. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is the key verse. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to plan the effective use of our time. Teach us to measure our time clock so that we can apply our heart Towards wise actions to fulfill our, to make sure we make good use of the time that you, that you gave us. Teach us to number our days so that we can say like Jesus, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day because night's coming. See, Jesus understood that there was a day for his life and there was a night for his life. And so he said, well, I got daylight. I'm going to do my work. He was numbering his days so that his heart would be focused towards wisdom. If we don't number our days, then we'll be talking about sitting on the dock of the bay. Watching the tide roll away. Sitting on the dock of the day. Doing what? Wasting time. Don't even let your waiting time be wasting time. Even when you got to wait on the Lord for something to happen... Fill that time with purpose. All right? That's verse 12. Let's go on to verse 13. Return, O Lord, how long, and have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Now, what what verses 13 through 17 is saying, God, we are praying for for a season of opportunity and favor. Lord, you know, some of the problems we got into were self-inflicted. But you can give us a season of deliverance Discipleship and get us still back to the dominion you originally had for us. We don't have to spend all of our time circling these same problems. You can bring us to the point of of the thing that you originally intended for us. You can let your beauty of your work and your glory favor us because you cause the season to change. Into our favor. Now let's look at Genesis chapter one. We're going to read verses one through 18. Genesis chapter one. We're talking about being stewards of time, purpose, and goals, right? Jesus had a sense of time, right? I must work the work of him that sent me. Moses said, teach us to number our days so that we can apply our hearts to wisdom. Man, it's like grass. Moses said, grown up in a day, and then at night it's mowed down jesus said i got to work the work of him that sent me while it is day nice coming i'm the light of the world all right just want to get those concepts clear in our head everybody with me all right let's look at genesis chapter 1. now no, first most of the times when we've been dealing with genesis i've started out and we started at verse 26 through 29. this time i'm not even getting down to the dominion and the likeness stuff i'm gonna just deal with the fact that in verses 1-18 through 18, God established light, and he established time, right? That's that's our key focus here. But there's some other stuff in here that's very important. Let's look at it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When were the heavens and the earth created? In the beginning, all right? Now, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, there was no time because time, it didn't exist until God created it. So in this beginning of creation of heaven and earth, there is still eternity. Until God starts time, the clock don't start till God starts the clock. Right? Look at verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Stop here for a second. All right? Now, I, I'm, I'm working on a book that I call... Um, understanding god's work week how to solve any problem in 6 days cuz god solved it in 6 days right and then my 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 sub my subheading is developing a and this is a made up word a creationary view to your business success. Now, most people think about an evolutionary view, but evolution doesn't exist. God created. He didn't evolve. He created. So I'm saying I can look at how God worked in his work week, and I can do the same work that he worked in his work week in my work week. Jesus said, I see how my father worked, and then I work like him. So if Jesus can see his father work and work like him, I can too. All right? So what's the first thing that God did? The first day of work, everything was out of order. But before he did anything, he looked over everything. The Spirit of God hovered over every situation. Now, what is he doing? He's thinking, he's planning, he's seeing the problem. But then while he's seeing the problem, he's not cursing the darkness. He's about to call to the light. Right. God doesn't say, man, it's dark around here. He didn't go to work to complain about the problems. The first thing he did after hovering over the situation is he called out the thing that was the answer to the problem he saw. Everything was dark and void. Everything was out of order and everything was dark. And then he opened up his mouth. But he saw it first. Sometimes you talk too soon. Shut up and see what's going on before you open your mouth. All right, let's go on. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. All right? Now, um, so let's go back to my my talking points in my PowerPoint. So in verse 1 and verse 2, we see when there's darkness in your area of leadership, go out and search it out before you speak on it. Get all the information. They, they bring you into a, a business to be a turnaround specialist to a problem. You want all the data. I want all the data. You And, and don't take secondhand information. Go see it yourself. God didn't get secondhand information. The Spirit of God came down to where the problem was himself and got personal information. Jesus didn't see mankind suffering and stayed in heaven. He said, a body you have prepared for me so that I can go down among them. You can't solve problems on the plan four from the executive suite, baby. You got to get your hands dirty and get down there where the problem is. I'm preaching really good up in here. You got to get down where it is, get to information. People come to you and they tell you all the problems. Get all of, listen to all of them, because you're getting the data. But then, then it comes time for you to speak the thing that's the solution. You can't get into the problem and keep talking about the problem. You got to come with the answer. He didn't come into the darkness and say, doggone, it's and It's been dark in this company all these years. We're going to fail. It's going to go down. Oh, my God. No, no. He said, here's what the light is. And he spoke the solution, not the problem. Not only did he create light, but the scripture says he separated the light from the darkness, which means he put the planet in motion so that light was going around on a 24-hour cadence. You get it? Now, this is not the sun because sun don't come out to day four. This is not the sun. Sun's on day four. We just on day one, the evening and the morning of uh, the first day. So time is created. Time doesn't exist until God said it. And then there's a verse in Revelation that tells us that there's coming a day when time will be no more. Jesus said this is the first day, and Jesus told us that there is a last day. I know there's people to say that the last day is behind us. No, it's not. Jesus said that there's a last day, and I'm either going to believe Jesus or I'm going to believe you. I choose to believe Jesus. Thank you. All right. So Jesus, God here, creates time. And then he puts the planet in motion. But what's the light? It's the light from the glory that's coming from him. He's saying, Light be, and light comes out of him. And that light shines on the planet, and then the planet spins. And in 24 hours, light sees every place on the planet. I was studying this. And the Lord said to me, David, in your stewardship, make sure you have a cadence where you look at everything on a regular cadence, on a cycle. You look at your whole business. Don't expect unless you inspect. Don't just tell people to do something and don't go look and see did they do it. Now, you may be living in the dark for a little while. But on a cycle, eventually I'm going to come back and catch you if you're doing wrong because I got a system by which I review every part of my business on a cycle. It's not a 24-hour cycle for me, but within a month to a quarter time, if you're doing wrong, I'm going to find out about it. Because he created the light from the darkness and he reviewed everything on a cycle. Do you see it? Now, if you get that, your stewardship has already changed. If you recognize that on some cadence, you gotta review every part of your home, every part of your family, every part of your business, every part of your church, every part of your ministry, that you gotta have a time. This is the time that I look at the finances of the ministry. This is the time when I look at the relationships of the ministry. This is the time when I look at the physical resources of the ministry, this is the time when I check on my leaders. This is the time when I check on the profit of my business. This is the time when I check on the marketing, this is the time when I check on the business plan. This is the time when I check on the the human resources. I got a plan, and on a cycle, I review everything. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. I am preaching very, very good. I'm preaching much better than you're saying amen, but I ain't mad at you. Okay? Y'all got to get this one. All right? This will change your life. All right, let's go on to verse 6. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. So what did he do here? He separated heaven from earth. He's starting to put things back in their place. Everything is out of order and void, and then he first— he first creates the atmosphere around the planet. Why? Because the his ultimate goal is to place man there, but if he had placed man on day 1, man man would have suffocated and drowned because there was no oxygen and everything was in the water. So, he first creates the planetary heavens. Okay? He created the atmosphere around the heavens and, and brought water from down to up into the atmosphere. All right. He separated heaven from earth in verses six and seven. Now let's look at keep going. Let's go to verse. Verse nine is where we are. Did we skip verse eight? No? Okay. Then got uh all right, all right, verse nine, yes. Then God said, let us let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. Now, man, get a place to stand. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters. He called seas and God saw that it was good. All right. So now. All right. Look, so you got to get the picture in your head. If you don't get the picture of God going to work, he's solving Okay, this is the way I say it at work. You can quote me on this. All problems are not created equal. There are certain things that you got to solve in a certain order to fix the whole thing. He first turned the lights on. He second brought the waters to create an atmospheric heaven. He then, of the waters that was left, he pulled them in one place and placed dry land. Because man would have drowned. If he made man before he put land, the man would have drowned. There's a certain order to his problem solving. All right. Now let's look at the introduction of seeds in verses 11 through 13. Let's look at it. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed Is in itself on the earth and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herbs that yields seed according to its kind, and the fruit that yields fruit, the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Now, on the third day, now you understand all of the parables that Jesus did that had seed in them. The kingdom of God is a man who sowed seed and some fell on good ground, stony ground, thorny ground. One sowed good seed, another sowed tares in the field, right? And the tares, he bound up with the seed, right? The chaff, the wheat and the chaff. All of these things come from this thing called seed. There was a certain order. Now, what would happen if God made the man before the fruit and the seed? He would have starved. The other day he would have drowned. This day he would have starved. See, God's work week, listen, y'all. This 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 thing here, this, this, this changed my life. Okay. So that's why I'm preaching it. Pastor Dave, why are you preaching this so hard? I mean, we understand. No, 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 no. There's more to this than than the first glance that he created everything. No, I know he created everything, but let's look at the order. See, I'm an engineer. I got to solve things in order. I can't fix all the problems at the same time. So I got to be smart to figure out which one is the first one that needs to be fixed and what's the second thing that needs to be fixed and what's the third thing that needs to be fixed. God had a certain order to his problem solving. It's not just the faith in it, there's the wisdom in it. Teach us to number our days so we apply our hearts to wisdom. All right, now let's look at verses 14 through 18. In verses 14 through 18, we see God introducing the stellar heavens for the purpose of time keeping. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. Now this is where the sun is. The sun was not in day one. Day one is the light of his glory. The sun is in day four. And let them be What are these lights in the heavens for? For signs and seasons, and for days and years. Oh, so these are for signs, for us to understand things. Like, when Jesus was crucified, the sun stopped shining. That was a sign, right? They saw the star when he was born in the east. It was a sign. And the the planetary motion creates the seasons, spring, fall, summer, and winter, days. Now now we're talking about 24-hour rotation and then 365 days around the sun, days and years, all right? Go on to the next verse. And let them be for lights, in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, all right? So he's talking about the sun and the moon. The interesting thing is, is that the moon doesn't have its own light. The moon's light is reflective. It does not generate its own light. Okay, go on back to the, to the verse. Um, he, he made the stars also. God set them in the firmaments of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. All right. So let's go back to to my PowerPoint. Um, So we saw that he spoke light out of darkness. In verse one and two. Right. He searched out the issue before he spoke. Then verse three to five. He spoke out light, the answer, not the problem, and then set a system to review. He put it in motion so that he reviewed his work on a 24-hour cycle. Then he separated heaven from earth, right? He made the first heaven here, right? Remember remember, Paul Paul said he went to the third heaven, right? The first heaven is the heavens around the planet. The second heaven is the stellar heavens. And the third heaven is the planet heaven where God lives, no, the song about seventh heaven, that's just somebody singing something. All right. So uh, he made time. He separated the heavens from the earth. He separated earth from sea so that man had ground to stand on. He introduced seed and fruit so man would have something to eat. And then he put time in heaven so that man could keep time and know what day it was and what year it is. The importance of stewardship in time. Now, let's look at uh, Genesis 37, verses 9 and 10. Now, um, Jesus said about him, Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm like the sun. I'm the light of the world. I'm the one that's creating the day, and when I leave, it's going to be night. We're going to also see where this kind of analogy of man being a sunlight was not just used about Jesus. Here is, here is Joseph, the dreamer with the multicolored coat, all right? This is him. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, And the 11 stars bowed down to me. Now, let's look at his father, give him the spiritual interpretation of that dream. Look at it. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I, that's the sun and the moon, and your brothers, that's the 11 stars, indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? So, in this passage of Scripture, the son wasn't just Jesus. The son was Jacob. The moon is the mother. Fellas, at home, you're supposed to be the sunlight of your house. Your wife should have glory but she should be reflecting the glory that comes off you because the moon don't have light on its own. And your sons, because one day they're going to be a son An S-U, because because your sons, your S-O-N-S, because they're going to one day be an S-U-N, must start out at an S-T-A-R. They should be a star right now because they're going to be a son in the future when they got their own home and their own family. Yep, I'm preaching really, really good up in here. You need to have some light. Your whole house should be filled with light because you there. You must work the work of him that sent you while it is day. Night's coming. Now, when you go away to work and your wife is there, she should be reflecting what order you've already established. There's moonlight because dad's not here today. He's not here now. He at work. See, I understood this because my mama would say, hey, your dad said you're going to have to do this when he get home, and she would make sure that the light was still on while while daddy was gone. And if he needed to take care of something, she would take care of it and spank Pastor Davis' little behind. But then some stuff she said, I'm going to tell your daddy, oh, Jesus, don't tell my daddy because I'm going to get a real beat when daddy get home. I had to start out being the star because one day I was going to be the sun. Do you get it? All right. All right. So sun, father, moon, mother, stars. Are the sons. Now look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. To everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Things have seasons. Let's stop there for a second. Things have seasons, and time is given under heaven for you to achieve purpose. Time under heaven, you achieve purpose. All right? Things have seasons. If you do the right thing in the wrong season, it's still, it's it's ugly, not beautiful. Right? If you try to act married when it's time for you to be single, when it's time for you to be married, then you're going to want to act like you're single. Worst thing you see is a grown man, you know, want to take his wedding ring off and go to the party. Stop it, bruh. That time for you is over. Your time to try to meet sisters is done. That day is done. Don't you hate it when you see an old man trying to be young, you know, got his gut hanging over some skinny jeans? (laughs) You know, trying to drive a Corvette when he need a minivan. He out of his season and it look ugly. Oh, you got a a child, a baby. She'll be having on pigtails, you know, and then she got her, she got her belly showing and earrings on and makeup on. And she looking, what do we say? She's fast. She's running past her season and her time. Be a hot mess. Yeah, that's right. Why? Because she's running too fast, too far, too soon. Everything got its own season and time. If you do the thing out of time, that's why he said, teach us to number our days so we may apply our heart and have wisdom. Don't, Don't run and do stuff out of your time, man. Stop it. Slow down. Slow your roll. Be okay with where you are. If you're young, don't try to be grown too soon. I can't wait till I get grown. And then we get grown and say, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. What? You should have been a kid when it was time to be a kid. Now it's time for you to grow up and handle your business. Everything has its own season. And God has given time under heaven for you to achieve purpose. When you get to heaven, time for you will be no more. So make sure when you have, while the blood is still running warm in your veins, that you're getting your work done. And make sure you understand what should be done in this season. Because because it's a winter season in Michigan, I'm dressed differently. I ain't wearing no shorts today. It's not the season for shorts. You're not careful. You need some long johns and the big pull-ups that that you wear over them. Right? Right? That's the season that I'm in. You got to understand that. All right, let's go back. Verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Right. Go back to verse five for a second. Like I have to tell single people to stop touching, have to tell married people you should be touching. That's free. Verse six. A time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit has the worker from, from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Uh-oh, everything is beautiful in his time. So if I do the right thing but at the wrong time, it's ugly. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Do you have verse 11 In the Amplified, what does it say in the Amplified? Can you get that for me? I don't know what it says because there's a new updated Amplified versus the Amplified Classic. All right. Yes. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in his times. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, A mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet man cannot cannot find out, comprehend, and grasp what God has done, his overall plan from the beginning to the end. All right? So, Pastor David, what are you talking about when it comes to God has an eternity in your heart? There is something when you are a person of vision that you get a sense that I got a certain thing that God wants me to accomplish in my life on the earth. That that picture of purpose is called vision. Now, that vision has something that got here before you got here and something that'll be here when you're done. But you need velocity to get your part of it done while you are on Earth. It's an eternal thing because it began before you and will keep going after you. But you got a slice to get done while you are here on the planet. And God put that thing in you. God put it in Joseph that he was to be a dreamer and a leader. But you should have a sense of that, that God is doing something in your life and that you're going to fulfill that while you got light and while, and as you be the light in your situation and that you are mentoring your sons and your daughters to be lights in their generation as well. Does that make sense? all right um one more one more scripture um go, turn to Daniel chapter 12 one through three one more scripture then I'll do one graphic I have to just pick up I got more than I got time for but is this blessing you and it says at that time this is This is the angel Gabriel speaking to Daniel about the end times. Now, when Gabriel spoke to Daniel about the end times, he was speaking only about the nation of Israel because the revelation of the church had not yet been given. The apostle Paul was the person who God chose to get the revelation of the church. So Daniel is only thinking about end times from the nation of Israel's perspective. Got it? Right? And it says, at at that time, Michael, talking about the archangel Michael, shall stand up, the great prince who stands, watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time, talking about the nation of Israel in tribulation. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, talking about Israel being delivered through tribulation from the Antichrist. Everyone who is found written in the book. And then he talks about the last day when people stand up before God. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. All right, there's never gonna be a resurrection. No, no, that's what it says. This says there's gonna be resurrection, doesn't it? Many who sleep in the dust of the earth, that's not talking about taking a nap, it's talking about death, shall wake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise, shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So what I get out of Daniel chapter 12, 1 through 3 is, is that you, you can put it up there, you will shine throughout all eternity to the degree that you have used your time to achieve kingdom purpose. To the degree that you use your time To be wise and to turn many to righteousness, you're going to have some shine. So make sure you use your time because you don't want to be dark throughout all eternity. You want to have some light, baby. (laughs) I want to be wise in how I use my time and turn many to righteousness so that I will have a shine throughout all eternity. And because every person uses the becomes whatever level of light that they become, then your shine will be unique. I will be able to look at you in eternity and see how well you serve God before you say something. I'll just be able to look at your shine and say, man, that dude was really committed to God. Now, you can fake me now. Won't be no fake then. You know, if you're in the military, you can walk up to a person, see all of the stuff that they have on their chest, and you could know what kind of soldier they are, what their rank is, what battles they fought because of what they're wearing when they're in their dress, um, in their dress clothes. You know what I'm talking about? The same way that that is is how you will be through all eternity. We'll be able to see if you was just at home doing nothing when Pastor David said we should be praying. I can't tell you now. But I better tell then, all right? And so you want to use time to achieve purpose. All right, I guess I'm going to stop there. I am out of time. Praise the Lord. Did this bless you? Go ahead and clap.